Welcome back to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. Guys, thank you so much for joining Hashtag Single today. I'm Jeanette, your host. How's everyone doing? Oh my God, it's so insane to me that it's spring and it's been a year since lockdown. Um, I do have some exciting news that I want to share. I am newly vaccinated. So it is truly the beginning of the end for this crazy period in our lives. All this is to say, I think it's really going to change the pace of dating. <laughs> I'm excited to get back out there. I can't freaking wait to meet people in real life. I think it's just going to be a lot of fun and people are going to be excited to meet people once more. So I hope that's ex- your experience uh, as well. And I can't wait to hear all about it. So if you guys have been listening to the past couple episodes, you know, we are in the middle of a little bit of an author series where I've been highlighting some super cool books that you should know about around singledom and dating and feminism. And this month, I'm super excited to have with me a sexologist with a brand new book coming out next month called Playing Without a Partner semicolon, a single's guide to sex, dating, and happiness, which couldn't be more apt for this podcast. Please welcome to Hashtag Single, Dr. Megan Stubbs. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Megan, I'm so happy to have you with me today, especially in advance of your book. That makes me feel very much like Oprah. Ah! So (laughs) thank you. Thank you for that special opportunity. Also, as I mentioned, your book couldn't be more perfect for not just this podcast, but this time in our lives, you know, living in lockdown and quarantine without partners. I think a lot of us got to know ourselves very intimately in all senses of the word. Yes. (laughs) So it's very, very appropriate. I'm just going to read a quick bio. So our listeners are a little bit more familiar with you and your background and your work. Dr. Megan Stubbs is a sexologist, relationships expert, and body image specialist. She is a board certified sexologist with the American College of Sexologists and holds dual degrees in biology and human sexuality, combining two of her favorite things, science and sex, into a cohesive platform to impact her audience. Her advice is frequently quoted in national media outlets from Marie Claire to New York Magazine, and she writes for many online and print publications, including Playboy. She often appears on television, speaks on radio, and presents at public and private events, including speaking engagements at colleges around the U.S., speaking on topics such as sex and body image, contraception, and my personal favorite, clip play for flow, the why of orgasmic meditation. (laughs) She currently lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I just want to have like a whole podcast episode where we just talk about clip play for our orgasmic meditation. (laughs) I would attend that immediately. Like we're not going to Psych 101. We're going to clip play 101. Thank you very much. Sorry, Um, I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited. But uh, let's dive into your book. So let's start at the very 101 basics. What specifically is the study of sexology? Like how does one study sex for three years of grad school? Well, you have to have a lot of sex with a lot of different people. I think that's a lie. 
that's, that's I only know that because you yeah. literally say in your book, just so you guys know, it's not about sleeping with all of my classmates. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the study of what people do with their bodies and how they feel about it. So I'm coming at it from a bunch of different avenues from biology, sociology, anthropology, and just combining all of those things into what makes us a sexual being and, you know, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> here, here. That's what your dog said. <laughs> yeah, Kronos is like, absolutely. Right. <laughs> Good job, mom. <laughs> Wait, what's your dog's name? His name's Kronos. Cro- Wait. Where does that come from? Is it Greek? Yeah, the Greek Titan. That's the name he came with when I adopted him. Oh, okay. I was like, that's so cute. That's so cute. But his names are all like booty and lovey and very not tough names. (laughs) Of course. He's a snuggle puss. I love it. Um, Yes, but back to very serious grad school, science, sexology. Yes. Um, And so just figuring out, you know, helping people normalize the conversation around sex and helping them feel good about what they do with their bodies. And how do you expand that into a three-year curriculum? Is it more science-based or is it more like behavioral-based or is it really just more about the sociological impact of sex on society? So, I mean, we studied everything in school because the biggest thing was whether we're going to be an educator or a therapist or a body worker or something along those lines, we can't be thrown for a loop. <laughs> we can't be mm. working as professionals and have someone say, I'm into blank and us go, <gasps> or what? Right. <laughs> you know, right. so we had to, you know, run the gamut of everything and talk about the implications of, you know, different sexual practices or beliefs or um, practices that people do. Uh, we have to be like well-versed in them and understand them. And our own personal beliefs aside, we just have to be able to be like, okay, and what's your concern with that? So we talked about everything. <laughs> yeah. Is there, uh, do you address with your classmates the biases that we bring with us? Or I'm, I'm curious about the biases that we as a culture of Americans, um, st- strictly speaking, kind of this like puritanical Protestant background of like sex is something we don't talk about. Do we do do you address those biases in that in that program? Yeah, so we had what's called a SAR, a sexual attitude restructuring, where mm. we had to look at, again, everything, and talk about these different things, the biases, the cultural implications, um, you know, what's done in one country. Uh, so maybe like circumcision for, you know, ah, an example. Yeah. Like we had to talk about the implications of that and how it's done, you know, pretty prevalently here in the U.S., but you look in, you know, Europe and other countries, they don't do that. And then conversely, talking about, you know, female genital mutilation or um, clitoral circumcision. So all the like nomenclature and the language around those things we had to talk about, you know, well, why is it okay if this culture does it? But in this culture, it's like, no, no. So we really had to have an open mind and our eyes were open to a lot of different things. And through that, we were able to, I guess, just be more well equipped to, to face the world. It's so interesting. Were yeah. you just, I'm super curious and I bring obviously my own biases into this when I ask this question, but was the program more female than men? Yeah. Female than men, more, yeah, more women we, than men. There were more women in my class than there were men. <laughs> Very interesting. So what was it about your undergrad that made you decide you wanted to pursue this very niche subject of study? You know, I came to the world of sexology in a very roundabout way. 
So in undergrad, I was actually pre-med. So I was going to oh, go be wow. a medical doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was always super good at science. And I, I'm still good at science. <laughs> of course you are. I was always good at science, but not anymore. But no, I'm good at science now. Or still, rather. And it wasn't until I saw the word sexologist that I was like, is that even a job? Because mm. I was just thinking like medical doctor or you know, getting out with just my general biology degree and working for the DNR or something. And it's like, I don't really want to be splitting open deer skulls and looking for chronic wasting disease. But I mean, if that's what I have to do with this biology <laughs> degree. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, but I saw it was in Cosmo and I saw the word sexologist written and I was like, oh man, like, is that a real job I could do? And sure enough, at the time, there was a few schools in the country that were offering graduate degrees. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is like the perfect fit for me because... I was always that friend you went to for sex advice and sex information. So I was like, okay, this is my destiny. That's so cool. I don't think I knew that that was an, a grad degree offering. Um, like I assumed your doctorate title came from psychology maybe. And then you had sort of a smaller, um, what's that called? Sort of a... Uh, like niche study or focus um, on on sexology, but you said there's like a, just a handful of of places around the country that offer graduate degrees in sexology. Yeah, yeah. And so my actual degree isn't a PhD; it's an EDD. So instead of a Doctor of Philosophy, I have a Doctor of Education. So that's where my background is oh. in educating, like sex education. Yeah, mm -hmm. got it. So cool. Um, so. That's then. Thank you for that because I was just curious, and I think a lot of the listeners will be curious too because we have not um, met a lot of sexologists, and maybe people are curious about um, going into it. But you regularly write in the media on sexual topics, so I'm curious why this book? Like, why now in 2021? What did you feel was missing in the sexual education landscape? So this actually came about in 2019. The like the offer and the deal. Oh, cause you talk about the, you talk about the pandemic in the book, yeah, which was super I, meta. Can I just mention it was the first time I've read a book that mentions COVID, which was just sort of like, I was seeing the future, you know, like uh -huh. we talk about like how this changed the world. It was like, wow, we're already starting to talk about it, but go on. Yeah. And so, uh, the deal and the talks with the publisher came in 20, 2019. And so through development and like, you know, bouncing off ideas and stuff, that led into 2020. So I was actually writing the meat of the book during the pandemic, which I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the worst timing ever. <laughs> but um, back to your original question, the publisher was looking for someone to take a book on, you know, just singledom. And I was like, that's me. That's me. I'm the single sexologist. <laughs> like, let me share all of my personal uh, knowledge as well as my professional knowledge into this, you know, cohesive platform and I think it turned out really really well <laughs> yeah and I, like I think it, the timing couldn't have been better as I mentioned like this was a profound time for singles to really get in touch with themselves literally <laughs> and also sort of metaphorically uh, a lot of the people that I've been talking to in the last year had some really intense times of thinking through why am I single? Or I don't actually, you know, maybe I was okay being single before because I had a very busy life, but it's, I've had to use this time to come to terms with actually I don't want to be single and this is really lonely. And how can I change that? 
So I, I think, I think, and I love that. Are you still single right now? Yes, I'm still single right oh, now. Oh, <laughs> welcome. Welcome. You're among friends. Yeah, hashtag um, super single. <laughs> so I love, so there's nothing more super single than Simois, who, who has a podcast about being single. So like I said, like you're, you're, you're in welcome company. Good company. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, and I'm so glad that someone finally wrote, I mean, the title of the book kind of says it all. It was, I mean, it was sort of an easy yes for me when your publicist reached out to me because you know, the idea of like, there's, there's, I've talked to a lot of sexologists. I've talked to a lot of relationships experts and always I'm like, I understand that you guys are dealing with a lot of relationship issues and therapy, but can we specifically talk or address these, this framework for singles right now? And you wrote a book, not just for singles, which is usually single books are written about dating. Um, and a lot of sex books are written for couples. So I love that you finally wrote a book and you're like, yo, a lot of, like, why can't we have a sex book for single people? <laughs> it's about breaking time. So fabulous. So fabulous. Um, the subtitle of your book is a single's guide to sex, dating and happiness. So I mean, I really want to point out that a lot of your book is actually dedicated to finding confidence and contentedness in oneself. I will say, you know, biased opinion here, but most of the singles that are in my circle and that I've gotten to speak with on the podcast are pretty confident and happy in their lives outside of dating. But I'm, I'm curious to hear, you know, why did you feel compelled to include so much guidance around that in your book? Um, I would totally agree with you that the people who are happy and single have their lives together for the most part, and they're not the ones who are sad lamenting being single. But I wanted to make sure I was addressing those who found themselves newly single or those who were, you know, maybe in long-term relationships or even married and find themselves single and don't even know, like, what do I do? Because they had been going on in mm -hmm. life, you know, I was always a couple. I always did stuff with, you know, my partner, and now I don't even know how to traverse life alone so really helping them hone in on you know what it means to be alone and how that time can be so beneficial and wonderful yeah I think I wish that book had been around I had been in a long-term relationship in my 20s for about five and a half years and the two years after I ended that relationship were really challenging for me because you do have to rewire your mindset um I don't think I needed to like come to terms with my self-confidence but the, the, I just remember the one thing that got me through all the time was, um, I just had so much more alone time. I didn't know what to do with myself, <laughs> you know, literally or like, and, and also how do you keep those thoughts at bay of like, oh, if I wasn't alone, I'd be in the park today with my ex, you know? So I would just ask myself continually, Jeanette, what do you want to do today? And it sounds so simple and maybe even a little silly in retrospect, but just saying like, you know what? I want to go get ice cream today. And then I would say, okay, Jeanette, let's go get ice cream. So it's about putting the self first because you do, I find in a relationship, almost have to subvert that a little bit for the sake of the relationship. And that, um, that took some time for sure. Yeah, because you're always, you know, asking, checking in, you know, what do you want to do? Do you have any plans? Mm -hmm. What do you have going mm -hmm. on? And you're like scheduling around someone else. Yeah. Um, which happens in partnerships, which is not a bad thing, but that's just something you have to account for. But when you're single, like you're beholden to no one. So you can go get ice cream. You can bake bread at 11 p.m. at night. <laughs> and, which, know. by the way, I love that you put that in the book because I am 100% the midnight baker. Like my friends make fun of me. They're like, Jeanette makes cookies at midnight. And I don't know. I'm awake and I find it really soothing. 
So I'm so glad that you do that too. Yeah, it's just like, okay, yeah, I, I want to do this now. I have renewed energy. <laughs> and you have then you have something nice for the morning. You have a nice little banana bread or whatever the heck you're making. Yeah, absolutely. We are we are bosom buddies in that realm. Yes. <laughs> um, of all the ideas that you focus to address around this idea of of um of personal happiness, you know, from your chapter on approaches to self-care to positive body imaging to finding sexual satisfaction in oneself, which do you find is most lacking in single women today? Uh, that's really tough. Um, I'm going to go with the positive body image. Yeah. I, we're still, even in 2021, it's just an onslaught. It's like, it's never ending, you know, the pressures of, you know, making people question how they feel about their bodies. And I just wish more women and men, anyone, everyone, <laughs> to know that they deserve to have happiness and, you know, fulfilling sex lives right now. They don't have to wait until they're in a specific shape or form mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. weight class or whatever size on a tag, on a piece of clothing. Like, ah, uh, I just wish you could know how amazing and strong and powerful you are right this very second. And that sounds so easy and just like, I don't know, flippant to say, and this isn't to say like, just love yourself because you just can't do that. But know that you don't have to change today to have your desires met. Like that's not a prerequisite. You know, you can have them met right now. Yeah. I, I think that message can't be enforced more wholly. Uh, it's, it's, it's pervasive. It never goes away. I mean, that, that message was present when we were teenagers and in, in those magazines, but Here's what I'm thinking, because there's a stat in your book um, and uh, fill it in for me if I'm paraphrasing, but it's like 95% of all advertising images represent 5% of women's bodies, something like that. Yeah, of what they, what women naturally look like or right. who, who could look like that. And that's just so startling because it's like, even if you think you're not deep into like pop culture unless you're living under a rock and foraging your own food in the woods with no internet, you're seeing advertisements, commercials, billboards uh, on your social media. Like it's everywhere. And so yeah. you're not immune from it. You know, these are images that stick in your head. And so if you happen to look a little different than those images, it might make you question yourself. Like, well, everyone says this is hot. I don't look like that. Am I hot too? And the answer, yes, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's just like, what are you, what are you curating in your visual field? Like, what are you seeing all the time? What's being constantly reinforced? Well, I was thinking about that, you know, cause I do feel like there has been a movement towards body positivity and body inclusivity in like magazine ads. Certainly like Dove was doing that beautiful campaign around skin color and, and, and body sizes, women just being natural in themselves. But I will tell you what I've found is kind of subverting that or going against it, um, is freaking Instagram and not just Instagram. Like I'm talking TikTok because there's a, been a real, um, obsession with having like a nice, ass, <laughs> you know, very like little waist, big ass, which is, you know, that's not anything new to our culture, but, but it, there's been a new celebration of doing TikTok and, and selfies and things like that, of, uh, really celebrating that particular shape. Mm -hmm. 
I've, I mean, I've definitely seen that on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok, <laughs> but I, I'm not on TikTok either. No, but yes, but you know what I'm talking about? Like the way that like, I feel weird about it because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in my yoga clothes in a video on social media. That's, I'm not into that, but there, that culture is very prevalent right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I see that out there for sure. And I also see the other side of that too, where I see a lot of people of size, you know, in crop tops and yoga pants, you know, going about their lives, doing stuff. Um, most like recently I'm thinking about is the new athletic campaign where they're now including sizes excess, extra small <laughs> to 3XL in store. And they have a wide body diversity in their new modeling campaign. And one of the models was in Times Square. Her billboard was on like one of the marquees and she got so much hate <laughs> in the comments. No. And I was just like, are oh, you kidding no. me? And it's just like, you're so right. It's so prevalent. And when we're trying to push back and just show other types of bodies, everybody comes out of the woodwork. Everyone's a keyboard warrior. No one, you right, know, there's no right. qualms of saying whatever you could be jan on facebook and we don't know who you are but exactly everyone has opinions about other people's bodies i think if we really look back to the root cause it's they're unhappy with themselves or they're like how dare this person who is fat and i'm a fat person be happy because i'm not happy so they shouldn't Mm -hmm. be happy but i try to model that through social media and just be like hey i'm fat and i'm happy too Yeah. I mean, now we're not getting this messaging from like companies and corporations, but we're getting messaging just from peer opinions on social media. So in some ways, it just feels like we haven't made any, (laughs) any strides in this conversation in the last 20 years. But in some ways, it feels better. Yeah. I mean, I think I remind people in the book to make sure they're curating their social media feeds too. So it's like Mm -hmm. you you feed into it. And then of course, that's what you're going to see. But if you stop and look for alternatives, they're definitely out there too. And some people are going to value that no matter what. I mean, that's why people still have eating disorders or body dysmorphia, because they still think that they're trying to, you know, reach this level of like enlightened beauty or attainment. (laughs) That's just never going to happen for them because the images they are trying to, you know, strive for they're fake, they're Photoshop, they're, Mm -hmm. they're not real. Like I, I would love to see just everyone's filters and stuff just go away for, I don't know, a week and just see what people post, (laughs) you know, because pictures of their cat. (laughs) Yeah. It's like weird. Why weren't you on social media for a week or people, you know, hop on with, Oh, Hey guys, it's just me with my no makeup face. And it's like, we, we can see the filter. It literally has the name. (laughs) What? I know. know. Don't look at me. My face is a mess. And it's like, no, you have the sunshine filter on with lashes. So I don't know what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, you're a hundred percent right. Is that, um, all of the aspects in our lives have to be curated and you have to give yourself boundaries and protect that, that really special ability to create contentedness and happiness. Like, cause it's, it's a full on assault at all moments, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it takes a lot of work to try to maintain it. Mm-hmm. And also combat that. And like, th- this isn't saying you can't change your body. I'm not just saying like, wake, wake up, love yourself. You definitely can get to change your body. Like that's your right. You can do whatever you want to do. Like I love fake lashes. I mean, I'm not like, oh, my eyes are hideous without lashes, but I like fake lashes, you know, but try to focus on the function. Don't look at a size. Don't look at a number on a scale. You know, how are, how's your immunity? How are you sleeping? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. can you do the things you want to do? that, you know, bring you joy? Can you 
go walk around the whole Mall of America and shop till you drop or are you like, ugh, huffing and puffing, can't do this anymore? You know, look at the things, like function. Don't look at the size. Like mm-hmm. if you want to be able to do some dead hang pull-ups, sweet. Get to work, work out the upper body, you know, but it's not just tied to your size or weight or something. Yeah. I, I've been feeling that very personally because I, I like most of America have put on quarantine weight, but I also weirdly have been working out more because I have more downtime. And so I'm this strange thing where I'm, I'm trying to dismantle like, Oh, I've gained weight, but Jeanette, you're actually, you've gotten stronger. And you survived so, the pandemic, which is still <laughs> I'm ongoing. alive, God damn it. Yeah, like yes. I, people I see in groups all the time who are like, guys, I'm just feeling so run down and exhausted. Like, what do you think it could be? And everyone's posting like, girl, get your thyroid checked. And I'm over here like, hi, global pandemic, still happening. <laughs> like, you know. Just, you need some fresh air. Yeah. Well, you can't operate under the assumption that everything is normal because things are not, we're still not normal. So, I mean, don't discount little things. You're surviving through a pandemic. So whatever shape your body's in right now, that's what carried you through this wild last year of madness. And so there's always tomorrow, you know? So if you want to change, by all means, go ahead and do that. But don't come from a place of hate to think like, oh, hate myself now, but down the road three months, I'll start loving myself then. No, you got to come from a place of gratitude and then go to where you want to go. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And, and thank you for that reminder. Yeah, I think we all, you're we a survivor. all need to hear that. <laughs> okay. I can't have the author of playing without a partner on without addressing the elephant in the room, masturbation. Cause I know you're all thinking it the minute I said the title of her book, um, <laughs> which is why I led with, let's talk about the other things in the book too. But um, first of all, I just want to thank you for normalizing it throughout the book. Um, In fact, one of my favorite surprises was to find it fourth on your list of feel-good activities for bad days amongst calling a friend, giving yourself a spa day, making a gratitude list. Oh, and also masturbation. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's um, completely normal. So, I mean, I do feel that masturbation has become kind of less stigmatized in the women's empowerment movement in the last couple of years. I don't know if that's the effect of social media, but I'm seeing and having much more open conversations about sex toys and masturbation. Um, with uh, both, like I said, people in in my personal circles, but also kind of out in the world. I'm curious if that's been your perception as well. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing a trend to more open conversations, uh, especially mainstream conversations. Um, I'm just thinking of like Cardi Cardi B's latest video where she's actually featuring a sex toy in her music video. So it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's awesome. I I haven't watched that video, so, but I'm definitely going to like look that up. That's like, that's... You know, if she was going to push boundaries, she loves to push boundaries. So like acknowledging that's a little bit of like a boundary pushing. But the fact that she was also she also just like embraces this kind of like fuck you attitude in general. So that alone should make you be like, yeah, who the fuck cares? It's a sex toy. You have one. I have one. We don't talk about it. Or maybe you do. You know, we need those Frank talking Cardi B's in our lives because, you know, it's so empowering to if you see someone you admire, you like talking about something or normalizing something, it, I, I think it makes you feel like, hey, I feel okay about this. It makes you feel more secure. 100%, yeah. And it helps normalize the conversation because, I mean, if we're just thinking anatomy-wise too, like you can be going in and out of my vagina all day long, awesome, cool. But if there's no clitoral stimulation, 
I don't, I mean, it's going to be a real long time. Before. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a long day. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, oh, yeah, love this, <laughs> you know. And so normalizing that, I think, is so important because there's nothing wrong with wanting to add clitoral play into your solo or partnered sex or using a sex toy. It's not like you're replacing your partner or something. Like, you got to check the ego, man. Like, we're just using this as a, you know, bonus. <laughs> it's a sex accessory, you know. Don't you want me to have a good sexual experience? Yeah. You know, don't be intimidated by this little bullet. It's fine. <laughs> I will say in the past, I feel like I've edited myself for respect to the people I'm talking to because I I can sense when other people are less comfortable about it. But I had kind of a like come to Jesus moment forgive the <laughs> intersection of religion we're talking about but masturbation but um you know when i turned 40 and um i decided to buy myself a new vibrator and i just had this moment where i was just like oh maybe i'm the girl that is going to normalize it for them instead of me editing myself to make them feel comfortable maybe they look to me to be like oh Jeanette's going to talk about it it's no big deal it's actually a present for herself for turning 40. yeah that's cool. You know what I mean? So it's a switch of mindset for me. Yeah, I love that. Why, thank you. Um, <laughs> my second favorite, my second favorite thing in your book is this fun fact. And it's so amazing that I have to just read it out loud <laughs> because I literally laughed out loud. Um, two fun facts about ejaculate in the eye. One, <laughs> it can remove lash extensions. My lash lady told me that. Also, if you use artificial tanner, it can leave you with some pretty unique splash patterns. First of all, I wish I was a fly on the wall when you're lash lady and you started talking about ejaculate. <laughs> Is that just like a PSA she adds to everybody that she's treating? Uh, no, I don't think so. But it was funny because we were talking about like lash cleaning and like, you know, when people come in with dirty lashes, how they don't stick as well. And she's like, sometimes I have clients that come in with cum in their eyes. And I was like, stop. No, you don't. And she's like, yeah, girl, I do. And I was like, oh, my God. Wait, and they're then, literally like, I need assistance, like emergency 911. Well, you no, she just she was like, booty. This is a very important moment of the conversation. <laughs> We're talking about common lashes. Wait, is your dog male? Is your yeah, dog male? That's, male? That says everything right now. He's like, two women talking about ejaculate. Too yeah. Much. But she was like, you know, we can tell if it's like eye crusty or it's like cum. And I was like, that's incredible. <laughs> I like. I mean, you really should get a little pamphlet at the end, being like, "Well, I you know, yeah, it's not. You know, it's like you know. Okay, try to avoid these cleaners and face washes <laughs> that have this chemical in there. And there's no avoid ejaculate, but it should be. So it should be. That should be a PSA for everyone. Yeah, if you're no cum in the eye, tell people no cum in the eye. Do you <laughs> do you have any other random fun facts about sex? I bet you have a million. Um. Well, for the self tanner one, so I am a black woman, so I don't self tan. But this is actually from a sexologist friend. She found this out anecdotally because she was with a guy and she was like sending me photos. Oh, she goes, no. look at my chest. And I was like, what happened? Oh, no. And she's like, he came on my chest and now my self-tanner's all splotchy. And I was like, ooh, that sucks. I have so many questions about the chemical reaction of that. Yeah, just, I don't know, like some kind of caustic fluid takes off that uh, tanner. But you got to wonder, like, what's more caustic? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What kind of things are in that tanner? 
versus like, what is it about, you know, because it's not caustic on your skin. Yeah, so. it might just be to the coloring or something. I don't know. And now I'm thinking like, whoa, could there be some kind of market for like laundry care? But I'm like, no. Now, <laughs> it's now like we're, a Tide pen. Now we're it's doing a Tide yeah. pen yeah, made with gum. Organic Tide pen. Like, oh no, that's not going to be You're like, honey, start. honey, I just got some tomato sauce in these white pans. Could you just. Can you imagine that commercial? Oh my God. <laughs> Can you just go in the bathroom real quick? <laughs> Put it, put it in this little pen. Oh my God. I don't know. There might be an undiscovered market that we just hit upon. We'll, we'll hit up Shark Tank. I'm sure they're going to be sure to pick up. <laughs> speaking to four men, yeah. four men in their fifties. Oh my God. <laughs> you guys, you had the secret all along and you didn't even know. <laughs> oh my God. Um, any more, please. I want at least one more. Oh my gosh. Um, this should be a course in your sexologist degree, by the way. <laughs> they should I literally be like... <laughs> Fun facts you didn't know. Okay, so anecdotally, I've heard from women I've done workshops for um, whose partners are super into like bodybuilding and stuff. And they're on these like high protein, like smoothie powder diets. And they're like, the ejaculate is like bleach. It smells terrible. It tastes terrible. And I was like, oh, wow. So there must be something true with the like idea that, you know, things like beer, cheese, uh, red meats, those all contribute to a more... I'd say strong or aggressive tasting and smelling ejaculate as opposed to things like fruit, water, sure. herbs. And so I was like, huh, there might be something to that. Yeah, again, again I like what the hell is in protein shakes that makes it smell and taste like bleach? I don't know. But it's like, who's going to you know, fund that research? Like, hey, we're going to have a bunch of guys just eat a bunch of random foods and then taste their ejaculate. <laughs> who's going to? I would just love the, the idea of a, a room full of women just like tasting bowls of cum yeah like what who's gonna fund this, this? one's nicer than the other one yeah this i would buy much, this much more palatable 10 out of 10 would recommend <laughs> 10 out of 10 would recommend um dear god <laughs> uh did you ever think you'd have this conversation on a podcast no but i love it <laughs> yes I'm, I'm i'm having a great time uh, we should be having, again, like talking about normalization, whatever, like my, my podcast goes everywhere and beyond. We talk about very serious things. We talk about very silly things. We talk about dating horror stories. Like there's nothing off topic for me because I love having these conversations. I think this is like women talk about these things when you're out, you know, getting a drink together or brunch. So why can't we admit that we have these conversations, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm always, I used to be the one to share all my war stories of like horrible dating things, which I've included some in the book, which I'm like, I can't believe people are going to know that story about me now. So <laughs> I love that you do that. I love that you added those stories because that personalizes the book. There's a, there's a freaking million books. I mean, yours is unique. It rides that intersection of being single and sexology and sex advice, but you know, there's so many self-help books on dating and from psychologists and advice, like we're hearing it as sort of ad nauseum. So it's so nice when you're just sort of like, hey, I'm also in the trenches. I'm single. Here's an experience that came to me. It also happens to be hilarious. Like it makes you much more human. I really loved those. Yeah, I'm a sexologist, but I'm not like a sex superstar here. <laughs> I, I will say like that dating story that you include in the book is pretty horrendous. Oh my god. The one yeah. about the, the, sushi. the sushi date. Oh yikes. I, I mean like every every instinct of my hashtag single hosting came up and I was like, no, Megan, leave. Like walk away. Tell it can you tell that story very briefly? Because yeah. now I feel like we're like those horrible people that talked about something and no one everyone listening is like, what? I want you to buy the book, but yeah, you know, tell that story very briefly. Many more than this in the book. So if you like yes, the story, exactly. <laughs> you'll like the book. Um, I had, I was working at a very popular coffee shop that had green aprons. 
you know which one. <laughs> and a mermaid for a logo. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. This guy worked at this uh, nutrition store and he would come in all the time and he was cute and like we were flirting and, you know, conversations evolved over a couple of weeks and it was like, hey, let's go out for a date. Great. Awesome. We decided to go to a sushi restaurant uh, downtown that had the name starting with M. And I went down there. I parked in the parking ramp and I was walking to the restaurant. And I was like, oh, man, I left my phone in the car. And I was like, it's fine. It's like almost 7 o'clock. He's not going to, like, miss the date. I'm not going to miss anything from him. Go to the restaurant. Sit down. Table for two, please. Awesome. Sitting there. A lot of couples. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. Mm-mm. And I'm waiting. And it's like... I've been in a lot of situations. I don't get, like, flustered or embarrassed or, like, very often. But it's pretty uh, unbearable when you're, like, sitting at a restaurant for set for, you know, two at a table and you're the only person there and it's, like, 20 minutes in and you're just drinking water. So I eventually just get up and leave because I was like, do I even tip? Like, I drank some water, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, And I'm so angry. I'm walking back to the parking ramp and I get my phone and I see I have two missed text messages. One that says, yo... A few seconds later, yo, with like 80 O's. And I'm just like, oh no, this cannot be happening. I call him. He's like, hey, I'm at the spot. And I'm like, you're definitely not at the spot because I was at the spot. Where are you? He's like, oh, I'm at this other sushi restaurant. What? That is not the one we had agreed upon. Ugh. So not to be one to waste an outfit, (laughs) I go to the restaurant. And as I'm walking in, I'm like looking for him. And he's like, hey, yo, yo, I'm here in the corner. Shouting outdoor voice, outdoor voice inside restaurant, and I'm like, okay, great. And it was like summertime, so it's like in a cute sundress. And I wasn't thinking he was gonna be in like a tuxedo or anything, but he's in like a cutoff, like you know those shirts, like real long. Like if the wind blows, you can see a nipple. Oh dear! Snapback hat, his running shoes and tearaways. Like he just came from the gym. Yeah, I haven't seen tearaways since middle school, and I was like, okay. I sit down and he's just like, hey, I'm glad you made it. I'm like, oh, yeah, because he was super hot. Like, he got away with a lot of stuff because he was hot. And so we sit down. The server comes over. He's like, you want to do a sake bomb? And I'm like, nope, I'm good. Thanks, though. <laughs> and we're like sitting there making small talk. The server comes to take our order and I order three sushi rolls. And he's like, damn, you eat a lot. And we, I actually look at the server like... I got, I Did got, that just happen? Yeah. What? And she's looking at me like, what is happening? And I'm just like, oh my God. I'm sure she's talking to the whole back of the house just being like, this date is going downhill. <laughs> and so like, it's just, it was horrible. He's banging on the table doing the sake bomb thing. So if you don't know what that is, it's where you have like a pint of beer and they put chopsticks on the top of the pint and then they have a shot glass of sake on top and you smack the table until it falls in and then you chug it down. He did so many of those. And oh my God, not, was he 21? No, I mean, we were in our late 20s, so it wasn't like a fresh okay. 21, but it's just like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, not going to impress the girl on yeah, the date. it was just terrible. It was just such a horrible date, and I was like, this is this will be a chapter in my book. And it wasn't a chapter, but it was definitely a story I included. <laughs> so if you like that, there's plenty more horrible stories. Wait, and didn't he ask you to go home with him, too? Oh, yeah, yeah. He wanted me to go back to his apartment. Like, there's so many red flags. I, I obviously clocked them all. I was like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. And, like, the cherry on top, he's like, this is going so well. Let's go make out. And yeah, you're like, sorry. I'm so done. I've got to so go done. feed my caterpillars. 
I give you credit for giving him a second chance. Like if I had sat at a restaurant for 25 minutes sipping water and then gotten a yo, not not just gotten a yo, gotten two yos, oh my, just like- I would have been like, I'm out. But I, I know the feeling of like, I'm already dressed. I'm out. I was thinking I was going to have a meal tonight. I don't want to go home and sit on my couch. Like I've, I've, I've had that experience before. So I feel that. Yeah. Just, oh, uh, don't be blinded by hotness. <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the story. Yeah. If only she had a book called <laughs> playing with a partner, a single's guide to sex, dating and happiness Yeah. <laughs> to help her in that moment. Um, last question. And this is a, a bit of a personal one, but I, I can't resist since I have a sexologist with me right here. Why do I, I mean, why do, why do we, why do we keep having sex dreams about our ex-boyfriends slash ex-lovers like 10 years later? Oof, I feel attacked because this was me a few weeks ago and I was like, oh my God, are you having them? Okay, good. I feel very validated. Yeah. I was like, why are you in my head? Get out. (laughs) It's, it's so disturbing when you wake up and you're like, it's like an emotional hangover because you your brain thinks you're experiencing those emotions all over again. It's so freaking weird. So explain this to me. I'm so glad you're experiencing it with me. Um, some of my woo friends were telling me about Mercury being in, I say Gatorade, but I know it's retrograde, but <laughs> Mercury being in Gatorade and like messing with our minds and stuff and everything in our lives. I don't, I don't know why our minds go there. I think because, you know, maybe because we have those memories and our brains just take us to some place that's just like oh remember when this was good because ideally there were good times and so maybe your brain just migrates to that and then you relive it in your brain but you can't be like brain stop unless you're lucid dreaming stop thinking about them (laughs) and then when you wake up you're like ew no why mind (laughs) why would we do this to ourselves again but there's so many things you can think back on that person so why do I I'm not sure I'm not dreaming about memories I'm dreaming about um like what if scenarios in a sexual context with people from my past does that make sense yeah yeah I mean the mind is was weird it's mysterious I don't know maybe because you still have those lingering thoughts of like you know oh, what please what I don't know <laughs> like don't tell me that I don't want I'm like, no. In your brain, somewhere, somewhere, it's just like, you know, oh, what if? Like all those what if scenarios. Kind of like, you know, what if I won the lottery? You know, your brain just like, okay, let's go down this path. Do you know what I was really hoping? I thought I was hoping you were going to, you know how they tell you, I don't know if you've heard this, that when you dream of having a sexual encounter with a member of the same sex, actually it's a projection of self-love. Oh, have you heard that before? No, I have not. Yeah. So I read that because I was like, I am having a lot of lesbian dreams. Like, what is going on? Ah. And dove into it. And it was like, that's actually your, because you're, you see yourself as female when you are having a sexual encounter with another female, what you're doing is self-love. So I was really hoping that you were going to give that kind of answer. Oh. <laughs> and I'm you're sorry. literally like, I don't know. The planets are fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, Mercury's in Gatorade, the moon. Damn it. Next book. <laughs> Next book. Next book. Um, <laughs> but bonus question, because we have a little bit of, of, of time left. Talk to me about clip play for meditation. Yes. So if you are a seasoned masturbator or a new masturbator, um, I think these are some things you can keep in mind to make your self-love time, your clip play, um, really, really awesome. So set aside some time first. Make it a purposeful event. So don't do this between classes or something. You know, make sure you're comfortable <laughs> cozy place, make a nest, turn some candles on, light some candles, turn some candles on, turn the lights down, um, you know, play some music and just get in touch with your body. 
and just you know feel the sensations take orgasm off the like finish line or the end goal and just really relish in those sensations and see how you feel um so that kind of orgasmic meditation practice is you just touching yourself um for 15 minutes is a great starting point and just feeling those sensations and seeing how you just feel in your body yeah it sounds really calming just thinking about it yeah go to bed extra early and just like uh because and then bonus if you do have an end up orgasming okay great that's a win but it just helps you know relax you and just makes you feel good yeah and we spend so much time I think especially here in lockdown we I spend so much time in my head because I'm I live by myself and so my whole day is just motivated and structured by what's in my brain right my Mm -hmm. own brain so with all of that stuff going all those conversations and thoughts and to-do lists going on in our head I think it's been a time where we've become disconnected from our bodies in a way yeah I mean we have a really fast-paced go-go-go lifestyle and especially with technology being so readily available you can you know watch videos on YouTube of people baking cookies at 11 (laughs) you can see anything you want (laughs) Um, so if you like, you know, put the technology away and just spend time with you, that can kind of be confronting for some people too, because maybe they're used to just having their partner touch them or they've never mm-hmm. explored their own bodies. But I challenge you to take that time and, you know, get comfortable with your own skin and relish this time in discovering what you really like to feel in your body. I love that idea that it's self-motivated too. Like I think you sort of touched on it when you said about screen time. I think so much of this time in particular 2020, but largely in our general lives as well, we're so externally stimulated, um, whether that's from other people giving us a hug or the weather outside or our clothes or like what we're watching on a screen. But it's, it's challenging to flip that script and say like, well, how can I, meaning like my ego, myself, my soul, um, stimulate my physical being myself? Did I get like super woo-woo and meadow on you? (laughs) But you you get where I'm trying to go with that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because you don't have to seek out these external things. Like you can find that peace, contentment, that pleasure already within you. Yeah, from the inside out. Mm -hmm. I love that. Megan, there's so much to learn and take away from your book, but if you had to pick one thing, what is the number one takeaway that you really want readers to leave with? I want them to leave with the thought that they are good. They are good as they are right now. They don't have to change anything about them to chameleon themselves into fitting with someone else's relationship ideals. Um, And that they can be their own best lover. Like, you know, you don't need anybody else. You can definitely want somebody else. That's absolutely a great thing to want, but you don't need anybody else. So come as a whole person. If you're seeking a relationship, be a whole person seeking another whole person. Don't think you're going to be completed by being with someone else. I love that. That's a beautiful sentiment to end on. So thank you so much for sharing your insight and your wisdom and your positivity with us. Yeah, really thank you so much it. for having me. This was 
hilarious. I love this conversation. <laughs> it took it took some weird dirts, but I'm I'm gonna embrace it I because love- as many people have said before, it's like sex is funny. Yes, yeah, sex is serious and self love is very important, but it's also fucking funny. So we should be laughing about the idea of a, a, a room full of women tasting different ejaculates. Yeah, like that image will stay with me forever. So thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, uh, as we know, Megan's book is coming out next month. It's coming out in May. Yes, May eleventh. Yes. So May 11th, um, is it going to be in bookstores or are you just doing an online launch? Um, It's going to be released that day. So I don't know if that means it'll be released in bookstores too. (laughs) Anyway, we'll make sure that you guys know where to find it. Um, And if there's a small little independent, hopefully maybe female run bookstore that you really love, we'd be happy to share that link uh, with our listeners as well. And are you teaching um, or holding seminars to the public or are you just doing private events right now? Um, right now, I'm doing a lot of university speaking, but if yeah. your group or organization wants to bring me out, I'm ready. I'm available. <laughs> cool. Where else can people find you? Yeah, my website is sexologistmegan.com, and you can find me on all the social media channels except for TikTok at sexologistmegan. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You got to choose your social media for you because we can't be on all the things. That's yeah. what I've decided. <laughs> That's just too much of our lives. Um, very cool. And we'll make sure to link all that stuff and make sure we tag you in, in posts and make sure you guys have all that fun information so you can um, find out more about Dr. Megan and more about her book. So thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. As always, if you liked this, if you feel like you have a single friend who is just starting her journey into singledom and could use a little support and self-love, feel free to share this episode and maybe buy her a book as a little gifty. I don't know. Be sure to follow us over at hashtag single pod on Instagram. We're having all sorts of fun, single conversations and you are welcome to be part of that community. And that's it for this episode. We will catch you next time.